0: Welcome to 3, a part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. Three rounds in the books for Novak Djokovic at Roland Garros. I feel like we nailed it kind of pre-tournament, Amy. We said first round, no problem. Second round, a little bit tough. You know, some challenges there. Third round, a uh, very difficult for a third round match. You're going to have to deal with a, a very, very talented player who might be able to push you. Uh, All three of those things I think would kind of uh, is how it played out.
1: Absolutely. This was the trickiest match against Alejandro Davidovich Fakina, and he had beaten him in Monte Carlo. And again, you know, I, I keep harping on this that I think best of five is really what separates, even though it was a straight set win, it was complicated. It was a long match, well over three hours. And it's just very daunting and um, for a task for any player to try to knock off Novak Djokovic. And I, I thought that even though Novak had some little minor injuries and bothers with the wind, um, in the end, the tiebreakers were phenomenally played as he does. And overall, the the viewing quality of the match was very high.
2: I agree, I think this this was the Grand Slam version of the kind of test we wanted Novak to endure in Rome and in some of the earlier play court things. And so now it happens at a grand slam versus an opponent. What I really, what I like about Davidovich Fokina, he's not playing the game of today. He's trying to play the game of tomorrow. And I started to think, this is just one of my half-baked theories, that just as there are players, you know how Dimitrov is like the baby fed and uh, and Koric is sort of like a mini Novak, not quite as proficient. Fokina at times... He's like the lesser Alcaraz at times. Some of his adventuryness, some of his shot not as skilled, not as proficient, not as buffed and polished, but he's onto something. I mean the th- the ways he tries to go about winning points, the shots he comes up with, then sort of the incredible inventions out of out of nowhere because he has to improvise. I really that this is one of the most enjoyable straight set matches you'll ever see.
0: I I can I like the Alcaraz-Fakina comparison because uh, it's it's ex- it's an explosive speed that is almost breathtaking at times with Fakina. There's touch and feel and cat and mouse. There's also big power. It comes off of both wings. Uh, so that's why I, I say is the most talented player outside of the top 25 in men's tennis. But I also thought, thought we saw the other side of the coin. Like, Amy, you mentioned that the tie breaks were incredible for Novak and it's when he played his best tennis is it unfair to say Davidovich Vakina? look I don't think he played terrible tie breaks but it, it, he wasn't quite as tough he wasn't quite as consistent he made more errors come the tie breaks than he was making for the, the rest of the sets well,
2: you I be saw a about-
1: phenomenal graphic on um, sorry about that Joel on, I- um, Matthew Willis tweeted mm-hmm. it and it was that just like in Moneyball, where there was kind of a trend established, and then at the very end of the book, when the playoffs start, um, it, it, the script flips and, and the trend reverses. In this case, Davidovich Fakina, leading up to the tie breaks in both sets, had won maybe one more of the longer rallies, nine plus. But they, other than that, I mean, they were pretty dead even. And... Um, then going into the tiebreak, the long rallies ended up being crucial because Novak dominated those. So, you know, how we talk about um, so much of the game is played in under four shots, zero to four shots. But there may be something to the thought that the longer rallies in the tiebreaks become crucial. And that's where Novak played really well in these tiebreaks.
2: Well, we've seen this again and again. And I think Novak could write a whole book on the Kind of the art and science of the tie break, which is it's not just as simple as don't miss and lock down. There's a certain self-awareness and and an awareness when you're playing a low-ranked player, they've got a red line more. And this is why I think David fakina, he's he's outside the top 25 for a reason, at least now. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying look at this guy, he's gonna be 13 in the world. It's just but I what I like, and this is the developmental lesson for coaches and players out there. Look what's going on with this guy. Look what's going on with Alcaraz. Look how the styles of play are evolving beyond the big three era. Because Novak's the impregnable force right now that has to be solved. And I'm, I was very impressed by the way he went about winning points and attempting to win points. And yeah, and that's, we, that's, when, that's when the margins get thin and things get tight and experience and, and pulling off shots. It's, that's where you get that whole, what a risk reward, all that stuff.
0: Joel, do you know who said this? I, I think Jim Courier said this on a broadcast. The quote stuck with me, but who said it has not stuck with me. The greatest players in this sport, under pressure, play like themselves. They play exactly like themselves. They don't, don't deviate. I don't
2: remember who said that, but I love the quote because it means it's not about raising your game. It's about just having your game, and it's like, there you are. And Billie Jean, I'll tell you a quote Billie Jean King said that. I that's kind of a corollary to that. She says... Oh, the better players, we just choked 10% less. Mm-hmm. We just choked. I,
1: I like the quote defense wins championships. That's always been one of my favorite quotes. And Novak just wasn't missing in those tiebreaks. I mean, he locks in. But yeah, Joel, to your point, he doesn't push. Um, he just hits a very high quality shot with a lot of depth over and over and over again. And the pressure becomes immense, and the other player misses.
2: Go watch it's 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 older, different era, different time. Chris Everett, Chris Everett, and it's kind of funny. And I sometimes think to myself, with Novak, we've talked about this defense, offense. What what really defines applying pressure? You know, Novak. He's not just he's not just retrieving and flinging balls back. He's applying pressure in his way too, and it's and it's subtle. It's subtle, but we've seen it. The depth, the balance. How do I get a hold of this guy? Where's my way in? And in and hitting winners at any stage of a match, much less the late stages is not easy. It's one thing to hit them at two all, but then now you're at crunch time, forcing errors, not so easy.
0: I also think there's an understanding of of energy management. I don't think the way Novak plays in the tie break, you might be listening to us and you know, you're know you hearing us say things like Novak just doesn't miss in tie breaks. And the thought might be, well, why doesn't he just always do that? Just, just always do that, uh, the whole set. I don't think uh, physically it's feasible, uh, but I think there's an understanding that if I play my fair bit of of offense and point and point shortening, and I make sure you know that I that I kind of have the energy at the end of the set or in the biggest moments to dig in, lock in. If I need to go five hours, go five hours, uh, but come time to play the eighteen ball rally, even though even though I'm not in my 20s anymore, I'm able to do it.
2: Well, and the tiebreaker is such a neat thing. I talked to Agassi once about playing them and he said, uh, he said, look, I, I'm tired. Been out there for a while. Just think, give me 15 good minutes. And so now your dialogue with yourself revolves around something different than like an epic match. It's like, I'm just taking this short quiz and just need to focus that way. And it's also interesting. It's the way you think, think about it, you guys. Practicing tiebreakers is one thing, but playing them at the end of a set is another. Play 12 games, the guy's showing you all these cards, all these things, all these questions, all these answers. It's like, okay, we're dead even now, but I know I'm better than you. And Novak, again and again in these tiebreakers, so good, so
0: good. Yeah, then there's also the fact that the, the end of the Fuchovic match, uh, not not the very, very end, but, you know, the second half of it and the end of the Fokina match were a lot more comfortable for Djokovic than the beginning. And and that's that's another aspect with the energy thing. It's like if Fokina has Novak, it has the ability to play toe-to-toe on Novak's level. Well, how long can he do that? Like, what is the the level of intensity that that requires? And is that a long-term intensity or is that a short-term intensity? Like I almost I think in order to actually be threatening and win the match, your kind of baseline cruiser mode needs to be at a level where you can hang. Otherwise, you might make your push in the beginning of the match. You come out empty-handed. Fucevic came out empty-handed handed after playing an hour and a half, grinding grinding his face off in the first set. And then he's like, wait, I lost the set that I did all that work for?
1: Yeah. Well, it's a it's... mental grind. It really is, as well as physical. And I know a couple of coaches on tour that kind of coach the mentality of make the other guy quit. Do whatever you have to do to make the other guy raise the white flag. And that's what Novak does so well well. And it it may be um, physical, it may be mental, it may be from a scoreboard standpoint of just getting into their service games over and over and ag- again, making their service games uncomfortable. But, you know, you, you've heard it said about the big three many times, people just fold like a lawn chair in the closing arguments of these matches. Not that Fokina did that um, so much, but the third set was much easier.
2: Well, we I I think a lot of us thought that was going to happen. Two tiebreaks. Oh my God! I've thrown everything. Hand. There are also in the course of the big three 20 years period far less chances to gain experience playing matches of this length. You know, they there used to be more best of five formats at some of the Masters, thousands, Davis Cup. That's all been curtailed. The only play, the only the only restaurant you can get a fi- best of five set match is at a major. That's kind of, whoa, that's a gulp. And and granted, you could practice them. I'd be curious to talk to some coaches and players to see if they ever play five sets of practice matches.
0: What do you think the answer would be?
2: Not that much. Not 100. that much. I, I, think the I, game, would, I, would, I would guess no. I think the whole way the game has evolved, and I'm going to sound like a coot here, back in my day, we played a lot more <laughs> practice matches. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm i a hack, and I played 30 sets in 14 days when I was 16 years old. You know I mean? And far fewer of that, and that that's built into the whole culture of the game now. Pro, less- pros too? And-
0: are, are you talking about rec players or pro players?
2: The, the whole cycle from from learning from from juniors to ah. recreational, it's kind of like the the mindset of practice sets. It, practice sets are less significant, and I think that extends itself into the pro world. I I hope I'd love to be proven wrong, but I suspect pros don't play as many practice sets as they used to either.
1: Well, do you mean, though, like a set or let's play a match, you
2: know, all like the all let's play like Roy Emerson told me when he was prepping for Wimbledon one year, tired of all the rain at Queen's Club, he, he would find a place. We're going to practice on the indoor boards that are even faster than grass. And we're going to play six sets to get ready for five.
1: <laughs> Ken
2: Rosewell was sometimes playing well, seven sets when he was 47, 48 years old. So I think all of the above. I think I think a practice match and, and at least a practice set. I think there's way less emphasis on that. So I think, again, so to get back to David's Fakina, look, that guy is a workhorse. I mean, he's a great, great player, but I just wonder what his practice routines are that gets him ready to like, oh, now it's Friday at Roland Garros and I'm playing Novak, best of five match. What do I bring to this other than fitness and a lot of two out of three set matches?
0: Yeah, I mean, on the Fakina topic, I just think, there's something uh, psychologically, uh, first first of all, discipline, which was actually good at times uh, in this match. But I think psychologically, it's just how do you stay calm when your heart rate is at uh, 140? Is that medically high? Is that high? No, 160. I think that's a good high heart rate. Anyway, hopefully I'm not way off. Uh, but bringing it back to Djokovic, I want to talk about the health and I want to talk about the wind. Let's start Let's start with the wind because it, it may be more, uh, it might be a thing of the past. It might not. I don't know. The first week of Paris, the entire time it's been windy. And we can also bring the conditions into play uh, where the balls have been somewhat slow. Uh, they're fluffing up. Everyone is saying that they're different balls than what they've been. I don't know why. It's been, it, it's been Wilson since 2019. It's still Wilson. Why are the balls different this year? I don't know, but... The locker room doesn't like it and it's playing very slow. Uh, I do have numbers that have confirmed that it's it's basically Rome, the rate at which players are holding serve is basically the same as Rome. And of course, Rome was these sopping wet clay courts. And that is how the dry clay courts of Roland Garros are playing. Uh so that's so you're how...
1: saying that in extremely dry conditions, by the way, like it's yeah. freaking drought there this year. Um and it's, um, <clears throat> it's warm. It's not hot, it's warm. And the, the wind, I actually looked into the wind, um, and I know that sometimes in Chautria you can get, it can be a little more gusty because of the, the way that the building is, mm-hmm. but the wind isn't actually classified as high wind or anything even close to it. It's classified as breezy. Um, but you're saying, Gil, that the the ball, perhaps, is making up for the fact that it hasn't been rainy in Paris to the point that conditions are very similar.
0: Exactly. It's a, it's a slow ball, not out of the can, but once they play a couple points with it, and you could see it on, on one of the replays, actually on an Alcaraz backhand in his match against Shapovalov, you can see the ball is like one and a half times the size of what a tennis ball should be (laughs) because there's so much fluff on it. I mean, and you know, I was calling a match, uh, today with, uh, um, you always forget what matches you call. It was Hatchinov. Uh, and how can I not remember this? Kokonakis. Kokonakis. Thank you, Joel. Uh, they were both furious that they were watering the court. They're just like the court is slow enough. Stop watering it. It's not slippery. The ball's not bouncing. So, Wind, slow, what, I mean, first of all, I'm curious to see how you guys think that Novak has, has handled these things, especially the wind, but I think the most notable thing is he, he had to kind of play Davidovich Vakina without the help of his serve, which is actually a huge disadvantage for him in that matchup. He has a much better serve than ADF, but in this match, it was like, eh, we might as well kind of start the point with underhand feed because the serve just isn't really going to do much.
2: I think for this match, I think that all those intrusions, intruders to the mix, all favor the house as in Novak. In other words, wind, footwork, margin, self-awareness. Good. I don't have to redline. I'm not going to redline. And the guy, the underdog, the underdog, the underdog needs as much stuff that that's why I don't believe the phrase that the wind isn't is an equalizer. It's not an equalizer. It's not it's it's an intruder for both players. And actually if I'm the underdog and I'm trying to play someone who I'm trying to beat, I, I don't want a wind. I don't want this other uninvited guest messing me up. I want a I want a pristine thing. So I got as much space to work with as possible. So I think that I think that stuff works in Novak's favor. In other words, so so serve, okay, so I won't get as many freebies on my serve. He's not going to get too many either even though his serve is worse and he's and he's got less space to work with he's got a smaller canvas so he needs to be a shot maker he needs to play he needs to play the game of tomorrow like I said David fakin a little bit of a Alcaraz light in certain ways but if you don't have as much court to work with that's harder to go for those lines and spins and angles can't do as much of that gotta play it more more through the B and C part of the court.
1: So, yeah, so, and yet Novak still won in straight sets, even though it could have been a match of underhand feeds, you know, that just tells you, yes, his serve is great. And didn't he have one game that he lost a serve where he double faulted three times, I think. He did. Um, So, yeah, and and yet he still wins in straight sets. That that just tells you the quality of every aspect of his game. Um, I do think that, From what I observed, first of all, depth, he's just a master at depth. He absorbed pace really well because as as you mentioned, ADF hits a very powerful ball. But when he was absorbing pace, he wasn't just defending, he was sending it back deep. Um, So it's kind of like a tricky or sleight of hand way that he goes from defense to offense. And he also, on some of the points that ended in drop shots or ended at one or both players at the net, I really felt that Novak was in the chess game where he was thinking, okay, I'm going to place the ball here and then I'm going to wait for you to get it. It will come back to me. Then I'm going to place it here. Then you might go up and then I'll finish the point. Whereas ADF on those points was a little bit more winging it as opposed to the chess game.
2: Well, the that's that's, yeah, life against the better player. I mean, that's kind of what happens if not not It's just in kind of like uncertain territory, you know. And, and Novak's Novak's the house. This is what happens for everyone playing a a better player.
0: Yeah, well, I agree with with Novak's defense being the most impressive part of his performance. I I thought his his movement and his scrambling. Was really good, and again, also his cardio and the big points. I thought uh, kind of passed the test, and it's it's one area where, where I, I had you know some questions, right? I was curious about about what level his cardio would be at, and I I, I was impressed with that. I do think he hasn't figured out playing with the wind in this in this tournament. Um, I think he struggled against Fuchovic, uh playing with the wind, and I thought he struggled a little bit with davidovich Vekina on that end as well, just uh, not calibrating the footwork quite well enough, where he ends up kind of reaching for the ball, not hitting out confidently. Ideally, with the wind, it's it's really the better side to you know play heavy topspin so the ball doesn't fly on you, but play aggressive, like use the wind behind your back to push your opponent back. But I feel like Novak with his footwork, not being sure of himself. He hasn't been able to kind of use that advantage. Plus the serve, the, the three double fault game you're you're mentioning, Amy, that was with the wind. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know that he loves hitting his kick serve with the wind right now. No, I don't think anybody does, but it seems especially uncomfortable for him. So I see what you're saying, Joel, about Novak being more well-equipped to deal with the wind because of the discipline and – you know some of the precision stuff, but I think davidovich Vakina actually took advantage of it uh, in in a lot of ways to to his advantage. And well, I feel like the best thing for Novak would be the wind going away for the second week.
2: That's that's true because now it's higher stakes and different opponents. Nonetheless, I just think the experienced person is familiar with these things. davidovich Vakina, if if I'm his coach, I'm looking at say, hey. We did something. We made some pretty serious inroads. So this is an interesting thing. You play like that, you're not going to... Gil's not going to call you the best player outside the top 25. You know, because if you if you can push Novak that way, think of what you can do with some of these these other guys who are higher up the charts than you. I mean, I would love to see Davides Fakina play Tia, Tiafoe. That's a match I would enjoy seeing. That would be
0: fun. He I needs mean- to focus, though. Like, you can't just bring right. that intensity to Novak Djokovic on Chatrier anyone can b- bring that intensity in that match okay like that's easy can you go to court six and play exactly. your first round match and focus every point and not make silly decisions and not get down on yourself
2: and win it right and win it routinely that's the that whole calibration of of riding on emotion as opposed to with emotion and how you maintain your intensity without it without it tipping over having these spikes these up and down spikes in energy. That's absolutely right. And how you maintain that. And you look how look how that that might be one of the the big threes most commendable things is how they just keep on purring. Of course, it helps when you're winning a lot.
0: I want to read a quote uh from Djokovic in his press conference about uh his physical state. He took a medical timeout in this match at one point, or or he saw the physio. Was it an official timeout? I'm not quite sure. Novak said, quote. We don't have much time to start to name the many injuries I have, and the list is quite long. I don't want to sit here and talk about these things that are not preventing me from playing there. These are the circumstances that you as a professional athlete have to deal with. Accept it. Sometimes you need help from a physio during the match. Sometimes you need pills. Sometimes you need help from God or angels or whoever. The reality for me nowadays is that my body is responding differently than it did a few years ago. I have to adjust to this new reality. So to say, but at the end of the day, I managed to finish the match.
2: Well, well, that's great. He's, you know, he's very, it's it's fascinating. The, the scope of the things he cited is uh, tremendous. So there you go. And that's pretty interesting from a, even time waits for no one, even Novak. And not that his time is anywhere near because he's so, so fit and so formidable, but uh, he's he's speaking some things that maybe we'll never know.
1: but he's got that patch on his chest he's got that (laughs) do you want to talk about that yeah
0: yeah so it's uh it's a tau patch t-a-o-p-a-t-c-h uh on the official website it says it's a nanotechnology that turns body heat into light before sending that light back through the nervous system and uh novak during his uh match against Fucevic, not only took the court with this towel patch but got a towel patch replacement mid match.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um I the thing I love about Novak is that he's willing to experiment with all sorts of stuff. And you know what? Some of this stuff is actually proven. Like I joke about him sitting in his own little hyperbaric chamber, but guess what? Um in in the elite places of medicine for elite athletes around the world and and others that really need good strong healing hyperbaric chambers do work they're just expensive and and hard to find access to one but um, cancer patients use them for healing and that kind of thing um, so some of this stuff is proven um but it's just so novak isn't it to experiment with something like this and to bring it out at the French Open. And um, there's also something very strong called a placebo effect. So even if it's unproven technology, if he thinks it's helping him, then it's probably going to help him.
2: Uh, should we be pronouncing it Dao? Isn't Taoism? Is that T-A-O? Isn't that kind of... Uh, there's some, where's it from, mm. Gil? Is it? Is it from... Uh,
0: I don't think it's... I don't know where they're based but i will uh i will look into that <laughs>
2: either way I, I like i like what the way you explained it amy it's kind of like it can work but more what matters particularly particularly in, in tennis do you think it works you're right do you think it works and if you th- and i think this is part of novak i think part of novak's legacy is this endless quest to understand things back to the teacher who's music and he was read one proceed's reading a biography of tesla and just ways of trying to understand how the world works.
0: Yeah, I'm on the works. website. Sorry, Joel, didn't mean to cut At you both. off. I'm on the, the website right now. And the the top of the page, right, is, is explaining the technology and what it does and how it works and who the CEO is and the, the instructions and the testimonials. On the bottom of the page, there's all of these research papers uh, links to research papers from universities. So, it. I mean, if we, if I wanted to sit here and read for three hours, I'm pretty sure that's available for me. Uh, but, I. It. It reminds me of Tom Brady. It reminds me of, of some of uh, of LeBron and some of the basketball players who have played uh, for a long time. I remember Amare Stoudemire who played for the Knicks and some of the NBA players uh, started to bathe in wine, and I don't think it's the conversation is whether like, Oh, like, is this scientifically a hundred percent proven or is it not? I don't think that's the conversation. I think the conversation is, are you obsessively figuring out ways to help your body? And that attitude, whether or not the, the thing is the key or the stretching or the, this or the, that it's the attitude of obsessively working on this. That is what is going to make Novak Novak.
2: Look, and also at this stage, and I, I, I've talked about this uh times with Martina Navratilova, who was a longevity genius. Um, they know how to play the game. I mean, they're going to add things. There'll be wrinkles. There'll be shots. There'll be techniques. There'll be tactics. But then it's kind of, how do I keep this body, how do I keep the body working? Completely the opposite of 99% of tennis players, including including pros, including other pros, but certainly further down the, cha- down the chain. Uh, that way, so Novak, yeah. How do I keep how do I keep the hardware sound and healthy?
0: One more, uh, one actually two more Novak topics. Uh, first of all, one of the storylines beginning of the tournament was the message that he wrote on the camera uh, regarding Kosovo. I've been, you know, so buried with commentary and all of that that I had no chance to really even look into this. But Amy, uh, I know that you have. So, uh, did you want to share any of, of your thoughts on that situation?
1: Yeah, this would be of interest to me because I I did major in government and um, of course it was though an American concentration. So I took very few international relations courses, but it was interesting to me. And this is also Novak like he's going into a major tournament where he could break the record and Nadal's not there and he begins the tournament by, by doing something very controversial and um i i tried to read i spent you know half a day reading about a dozen articles on the balkans and the history and all that and let's just say i know enough not to know enough you know like I, i i shouldn't comment on it because i don't know anything about it but from um A character study point of view as someone who follows Novak Djokovic, I just found it interesting that he made that choice and um, that he felt that it was something that he wanted to speak out on. And we've often talked about what these players might do, our thoughts on what these players might do after they retire and i said on on that show that i thought Novak might go into politics because he certainly has that um interest so um yeah those are my thoughts
0: yeah he's certainly proven that if he believes in something he's gonna say it he's uh and this is not shade or a knock but uh he's not gonna stay neutral like switzerland next round is that a reference
1: to roger is that a reference
0: to Roger? Well, okay, it, it's a double entendre. Uh, you know, neutral like Switzerland is a thing. Did yeah. Roger? Did Roger embody that? Would Roger get himself? Uh, would Would Roger take a side on a polarizing issue or a topic? No, uh, he probably wouldn't. So, in that in that way, I mean it both ways.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, next round opponent uh, for Novak is on court right now. It'll be Juan Pablo Varias, who is up a break and battling in a 4-2 service game in the fifth, uh, or Hubert Hurkacz. Very different style of opponent. So, Joel, uh, I guess let's go with both scenarios. Hurkacz, maybe a top five, not maybe, definitely a top five first serve in men's tennis. Varias, a unheralded South American who loves the clay and is going to be very, very consistent off the ground.
2: Verlist is uh, and also very, uh, arguably a little bit tired if he wins this match from having played <laughs> five sets to beat a seed, and um, I think Novak is going to feel comfortable out against either of them for different reasons. I think based on uh, uh, Verlist, if he wins, he's going to have played the match of his life to beat a seed and find himself in the round of sixteen of a major. Uh, Herkoc, I think on clay is a pretty comfortable matchup for Novak. I think he's not going to be able to assert himself attacking long enough over that period of time on clay. On uh, grass, it might be a little bit different perhaps, but I think that's a, I think both of these are comfortable matchups for Novak.
0: Yeah. And there just certainly isn't Herkoch who, who wants to get a lot. Of purchase out of his first serve. It's just tough to do. I will say I've I've watched him play throughout the tournament. He's playing at a much higher level than he he had been in the lead-in to Roland Garros and and he he has impressed me. But as a as a baseliner Novak is going to really outgun him and I think and pick he'll pick apart build-
2: that forehand. He's going to pick apart yes. that her that forehand, and there's going to be that which is too flat for today's tennis. Though he's great. I I like her catch a lot. I like the way he plays, but I think on clay versus Novak and then you add in some of the other Condition factors we've talked about uh, this year at Roland Garros. Yeah, I think either is a comfortable matchup for Novak.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The forehand would be the side to attack struggles to accelerate on it. Uh, We will end on some Nadal news, which broke really just as we started recording. Uh, His team has announced that he's undergoing arthroscopic surgery to examine uh, the left PSOAS muscle uh, that has kept him out of competition since january so uh, obviously a, a muscle in the abductor region so i imagine around the groin area uh surgeries being done in barcelona and that is the update generally arthroscopic surgeries are not very intrusive um so that's what that's where raf is at any reaction to that amy
1: um, I think I saw, too, that Rafa's going to update. So um, if, if we Rafa's presence will be felt during Roland Garros, after all, and there will be something to talk about. Um, I just, you know, I hope for the best.
2: Yeah, this I guess the slight little note on it is, okay, let's see how that affects the potential. We, we talked about the U.S. Open, the, the training. You know, with Nadal, remember, we always got to back into the pre-production cycle of training. And so how this then delays that. So that makes me even, even more surprised if we see him in action calendar 23.
0: Yes. And, and that I think is the next, that's really the question right now is, are we looking at start of 2024 as the goal, or are we looking still at 2023? As for Novak Djokovic, we're looking at the fourth round and beyond at Roland Garros. That'll do it for this episode of three. Remember, we're available on all podcast platforms. And if you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate it if you like, comment, and subscribe. We will see you next time on the next episode of three.